How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Dead Jazz Productions podcast, episode number 176. It's a special collab episode this week, actually. You might be listening to this elsewhere. Uh, I'm your host, Joshua J. Moskers. Uh, joined this week, special guest, Juan Carlos from Sociedad Gamer or Gamer Society. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you a lot for inviting me over. Uh, thank you for this episode, actually. I'm really, really happy to be here. Um, whoever's listening to the episode, um, quick intro. I'm Juan Carlos Vargas from Sociedad Gamer. Uh, I'm based in Cali, Colombia. That's not Colombia with a new, but with a no in South America. Uh, we run a video game podcast that talks basically about everything around video games. And our podcasts mainly for Spanish speakers. We do have a, 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 some episodes in English with special guests, but it's mainly in Spanish. But uh, whoever wants to listen to Sociedad Gamer, you can find it in every podcast. Uh, wherever there's a podcast, we're, we're there. Awesome. Thank you again for being here. I'm happy to have you. Uh, it's exciting. Um, I know we had to be here. M- mold over what we, exactly we wanted to cover. I know we had talked about doing like Zelda and like the history of that and everything. Um, yeah. Have you been playing the new game, The Tears of the Kingdom? I, I have not. I'm, I I don't oh. know if you know what uh, like a patient gamer is all about. Mm. Have Are you, you heard just the waiting term? for it to get touched up perfectly? No glitches mm, and everything like that. Yes, and also like I don't, I don't um, feel like the the need to play it as soon as it's released. Mm-hmm. Uh, for starters, I know Nintendo doesn't do a lot of of um, like of discounts in their games, but for starters, yeah. it's a full full like you pay full price for a game, and like you, in general, everybody has a back catalog of games. So what I like to do is just go over my back catalog and. Whenever I'm ready to play it, I'll, I'll play it. So I have not played it yet, but I know we were going to talk about Zelda because uh, the new game is, has just been released and it has like rave reviews. I I saw somewhere that it, it's like one of the few games that has a perfect score by both IGN and uh, by Famicom from Japan, the magazine from Japan. So yeah, I have not played it, but um I realized before we recorded the episode that I'm gonna my podcast Sociedad Gaming is gonna have like in one week from now its fifth year anniversary. So I thought, why not just nice. record and talk about podcasting in general? I have a ton of questions for you about that in terms of what your podcast is about and how how long have you been in the podcast and in the scene as a whole. Nice. Yeah. No. Happy to have to go over all of it. Um, Great. Yeah. I. We'll start. We'll we'll backtrack. We won't cover Zelda yet. We'll dive into the mm-hmm. the podcasting side of things. When did you start your podcast? Like, what what? I guess how did you get into it? What made you decide to start it? And so, you know. my story is a bit like we. I started long like in Colombia, where I'm at. Podcasting isn't as popular as it's in the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's every day. It is more popular. But in 2018, when I started the podcast. Uh, really very few people were hearing podcasts but i i didn't start quite actually quite with uh, associate gamer but before that i had a i have a cousin and we just we wanted to do something different we've always been like um interested in technology and we decided to start a podcast about soccer or football as we call it over here uh with a friend um we recorded a bunch of episodes then we created a podcast which is called technocracia like technocracy which was about technology because we love technology and in between i was like 
something I realized when recording podcasts is that you have to, or that's my opinion, you have to do something that you're really passionate about because if not, you're going to get into a point where you're not, like you feel that podcasting will become a chore. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I got into a point where I was realizing that, that podcasting was becoming like a chore, like uh, something that I wasn't enjoying as much. And I, I always wanted to talk about video games because I, I have always loved everything about about them. So I talked with a friend and we decided to start a podcast called uh, Sociedad Gamer. And actually, we started very well. We recorded our episodes. But the thing is, when you start podcasting, like, and especially here in Colombia, like, no one will listen to you. It's, it's unless you're a famous person, you're going to have, like, so few uh downloads and so few people yeah. listening to your podcast so it, it got to a point where it was like okay I'm, I, I, it doesn't feel as right because like i think nobody's listening like very very few people were listening to us so we stopped for a moment uh then the covid19 uh, pandemic got here we stopped for like one year and then i just i felt that something was missing and that something was podcasting because it let me like have a like an output to talk about something that I really like, which is video games. So we decided to start again and we've been um, recording ever since. First one episode a month. Uh, this year we're uh, aiming to do two episodes per month. Nice. And downloads have been like exponentially growing uh, through the month. So that's great. Awesome. Yeah, I, I actually I really appreciate that you, uh, you picked up the same show that you, you left off at. Mm-hmm. This is... Uh, what is it? This is probably my fourth podcast I've done. Uh, every time I take like an extended break or like a hiatus, we end up just saying, ah, we'll start a new one from scratch. And it's, I don't know, something about that. I, I look back on it and I think that was dumb. Like we've yeah. just put these things aside and forgotten about them almost. Yeah. I don't know if you, if you agree with what I said about podcasting as a passion. Like I feel mm-hmm. that if you do not do it, uh, for something that you're very passionate about, you're gonna reach like that peak where it's it, it becomes a chore and you feel like you don't know you know what I'm gonna leave this to the side and I'm gonna start something new. Mm-hmm. But I feel that I don't know if you found it with your podcast right now, but I feel that that search of that something for me it became video games and I'm now decide like I I love the podcast I'm doing right now, but I'm now thinking about starting a new podcast, not leaving this one behind yeah. and just keep it going with starting a new podcast to talk also about another passion of mine, which is like film and cinema and everything around that. Nice. Yeah. I just do it for the money. For the no, money. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> kidding. Because podcasting here in Colombia is like, you've got no chance to make money. Absolutely none, none. Cause I know in the U S at least if your podcast grows, you're going to have like people um, pr- promoting your podcast or paying you to promote products mm-hmm. in your podcast. But here yeah. in Colombia, because we're still, it is still something relatively new and popularity is really low. Uh, yeah. But it's a growing scene. I know like Spotify has inverted, uh, has invested uh, a ton of money into podcasting in Latin America. So I think it's a growing scene. Uh, it's It will keep on growing with time, I guess. But for now, it is still a small, small, small scene. And people here generally prefer to, to listen to radio programs and not so much podcasting. 
is it still talk radio though? Yeah, talk radio okay. for the mo- for the most part talk radio like it's a radio that people put in their car when they're going from work to their homes or when they're on a trip. Uh for example, here we don't have a like satellite radio like uh it's still oh, okay. like with the FM AM bands. Mm-hmm. So for for general you 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 can't pick like a specific episode or you can pick like you're just like scrolling you have your your like 98.7 FM that you really like to listen to when you're going to school, for example. And that's what yeah. most people generally listen to. But with younger generations, podcasting has become more and more popular. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, because even like, and, and I live in a small area, so it, I don't know that I'm as much in the, in the know as people that would live in like a city or something, but like the older generations around here have no idea what a podcast is. Like I'm talking like people like 50 years old, roughly like I had old coworkers that I had to explain to them what it was. And, you know, I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's like the radio, like people talking on the radio, but it's recorded and it just comes out on a, you know, a certain basis, Mm -hmm. like a schedule. And, you know, there are all sorts of different topics and they were like, Oh, that's weird. Why would people listen to that? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I ask myself that every every week when I put my new episode out. <laughs> but yeah, but I think that with podcasting, there's a, an added value for people in that you can, it's more, I feel, it's more interactive with their audience. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, Spotify recently uh, started doing these things where you can poll people in your episode and uh, ask questions. So people can answer through Spotify. You're going to have like a, a direct communication with your audience. And also yeah. with I guess that that with traditional radio, as it's usually recorded live, uh, there's not much in the way of people. Like, if you didn't listen to it, that's it. There's no more time to listen to it. Like, in general, I know you can go and search for it in in a website or something, but in general, like, people listen. With podcasting, the format as as it is uh, makes you think in a way that you record episodes that you, there are, like they don't have a, a set time yet that you record them and you say, uh, unless it's news, but for the most part, you can record an episode and just like, it's a theme that you would record and you can listen to it today or in one or two weeks. And the mm-hmm. theme will, for the most part, be relevant and be interesting to listen. Radio, yeah, it's, it's radio is more like, um, uh, how do you say that? Like um, topical where it's, it's, you have to be, uh, yeah, not topical, but just like more. Uh, the word in Spanish is pasajero, which is like, like something that passes by that like you don't listen to okay. it, and you you're never gonna listen to it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's it is interesting. It, I feel like podcasting has a lot more opportunity to really experiment with stuff as opposed to radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, in certain ways, radio has its benefits as well. Because um, at least with radio, it's like you have if if people are in their cars you have that audience potentially uh mm-hmm. where it's just it's just going to be on whereas podcasts they have to search you out almost um yeah. but with podcasting like i said we can edit in things as much as we mm-hmm. need i mean we don't really do that a whole lot on our show but it's yeah but th- it there's some create a lot more with it i feel like yeah there's some there's some podcasts which are like their production values are so so incredible yeah. um podcasts about crime about nature that really make you like it's it's just audio but it's so well produced that you're mm-hmm. like into it completely into it and also you can do things while listening to a podcast 
um, for example, yeah, I don't know, doing chores around the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do. I have know. not just podcasts, but just a lot of podcasts, but then just content on all the time when I'm working because I'm just in the office, uh, just sitting on at the desk, you know, eight, nine, ten hours a day working away. So I need something on in the background to, you know, keep my mind from going dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if you if you don't mind asking, uh, where where are you from? I'm from Pennsylvania in the U.S. Pen, yeah, I know where Pennsylvania is. Okay. So yeah. your 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 podcast, um, you you talked to me about that you had different podcasts that you've you've left behind and like. Mm-hmm. Currently, do you have this one only podcast, or do you have multiple podcasts? This is the only one I'm on. Uh, I work with a couple other content creators to produce theirs. Okay. Um, it, they're not ones that I promote. It's it's we're trying to get some organic growth going for for them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of what i do is behind the scenes work with people trying to get their social medias uh platforms started up youtube get their websites going okay uh and I, i'm what i do my full-time job is marketing so oh, i great. i do a lot with like advertising and promotion and social media and stuff like that and so okay. i just carry that over into you know content yeah. creators yeah, yeah independent content creators so like i, I work with people i edit number of different i have three podcasts i edit right now um i have had a couple of my this is the one i my main show that i do i do all the work my, on this myself at this point i had started working on another one that was going to be like a news program sort of uh, mm-hmm. it was gonna be it wasn't gonna be like news news like you'd see on tv it was more like casual uh easy going um but it was to the point where it was too difficult for me to keep up with it. Of course. Uh, because I would I would have to record it and put it out essentially the next day. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the information would be out of date. Yeah, of course. It, it just, yeah, it wouldn't be topical. And that was just, I had too much stuff going on. Of uh, course. That it, I just wasn't able to work with that schedule. I find it really, like, it, it generates me, like, curiosity, thinking about how news nowadays is mostly like the big networks mm-hmm. but i th- i feel there's a, a really big void in terms of like hyper localized news uh mm-hmm. for example you live in pennsylvania i don't know exactly where but for example where i'm at news is as a general from the whole country like the whole colombia and you don't find much like really really local uh news Uh, in, in terms of like, I don't know exactly what's happening uh, in the neighborhood where I live. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah and I, I feel there's a void for that. Uh, and I think that there's a space for podcasters, podcasters to fill that void with news that it might not be like, it, you might not need the news to be like heard today. But mm-hmm. in general, it's like what's happening in my neighborhood. So, you know what? Uh, I, do you know what Substack is? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of Substack has podcasting. It has a really a small section where people like can do like a kind of podcast. And I've heard some of those uh, in the U.S. mostly, but people that have done that through Substack, where they um, like create a, a hyper localized news network for their neighborhood, and they use the the audio part exactly to interview people around their neighborhood, like the the new guy that just um, started his business in. I don't know, in bread making or something like that. 
-hmm. I feel the just general thought that I feel there's a void in in those types of news that podcasting can, in a sense, fill. Yeah, that could work. I I think I guess the closest we have to that is like we do have like quote they call it local news where it's just sort of like region based. Mm -hmm. So like we have a news station that's for Northeast Pennsylvania, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's probably as local as it gets. Yeah. It's still um, really broad. Yeah. It, it kind of, it, it's, yeah, it's probably like a quarter of the state roughly. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not entirely sure of all of it, but yeah, I think the only difficulty you'd have with like a podcast covering like, like local, local news is there's only so much of an audience you can build on that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, but, it, it depends on the... Yeah, the, but I, I feel that, yeah. for example, with a, a Substack model of business where the people that want to hear those types of news like can subscribe to that, mm -hmm. you can I think you can find a balance between being a small community that helps you out, like uh, pays for that content, versus you having to find a really big audience for a free podcast that covers like a whole big area. Mm. Yeah, it depends. Like I said, they... I know like one of the things with like local newspapers, uh, they're still doing like the actual newspaper, the print, but they do a ton of stuff as far as local content. They do a lot of online content. Uh, they do a lot of videos and things like that now. So it's not like a news program, mm -hmm. but it's essentially news clips like videos. Uh, it's mm -hmm. like it's essentially like a YouTube channel, but just for your local news. Um. I don't know. It, it, it'd be interesting to see like how, uh, how successful you could make it. Uh, and not even like money wise, just successful mm -hmm. as far as being able to get it and putting it out there and people, you know, putting the time into paying attention to it and making it work. If you had, if you had like somebody told you tomorrow, you have unlimited budget to create mm -hmm. whatever podcast you would like to do what would you do um i would probably make a show where i find people who are like underprivileged where they don't you know they don't have the money or you know tools needed to succeed in life and i would it would have to be well like very much pre-recorded where we just give them the money they need to like go after their goals and their dreams and see if they could actually be successful or not. And we sit down, talk to them before we record a session where we would talk to them as we give them the money and then come back like a year later and see where they're at and sit down and talk to them again. I think nice. that could be really interesting. Yeah. Nice. Like a, like a, like a kind of like an incubator, like a startup incubator, but for sure. underprivileged people. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't even need to be like a business. Like I'm not saying people mm -hmm. have to start a business, just seeing like, this person wanted to go to school or, mm -hmm. you know, this per you know, I guess it could be a business as well, but this person wanted to open a restaurant. Uh, this person wanted to make like a local community farm or something, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then just coming back a year later or so and seeing like where they're at, like, Oh, this person is doing well in school and he has a job, like a part-time job at the same time. This person, you know, their restaurant is doing well. They're thinking of opening up a second location. This person has started the local farm and 
now you know the the town is able to grow their own crops and they don't have to rely on the supermarket as much interesting whatever really yeah. really interesting actually yeah it'd be interesting i feel like you need a huge budget for something like that. yeah yeah or <laughs> it, it, it'd have to be like government funded probably was, yeah yeah a podcast based on the premise of handing out money <laughs> <laughs> But I, I mean, there's something there in the sense that um, like the podcast could be an element that is used in a program that is like that. For example, if, mm-hmm. if there were to exist a program that were, were like that, the podcast uh, side of things would be to... Um, it helps like, promote the program. One, promote the program, but also to, to also see if their program is, giving, uh, is having results in the sense True. of... Yeah. If it, if it's just a program giving out money, well, let's see if the people that that took that money, uh, what what became of that, what happened to them, what's their story, why if they couldn't do it, why couldn't they? Um, and yeah, I, I I guess many stories would arise from that, from the from the sense that many underprivileged people, especially um, even if you um, gave them the tools, they might have uh, problems that came before them. For example, of for example, in my country, uh, underprivileged people, well, they um, m- many many times have uh, like lack of, of uh, food resources when they were small or little. So that means uh, they had problems when they grew up uh, paying attention or things like that. Yeah, it's we need to start doing podcasts for all of our government uh, programs, I think. Yeah. Do that for welfare. They, uh, I think they uh, had like five billion dollars in welfare funding that just wasn't given out. Like the yeah. whole, the whole thing is just clogged up. Like they're not. There's too much paperwork. There's not enough people there to actually do the work of getting it to the people it needs to get to. Bureaucracy? There's too much bureaucracy. That's what you're saying. I guess. Yeah. I, I, I've. Oh, I don't have a lot of experience with it, to be honest. As in, okay. I have no experience with it, but it, a lot of our government agencies are just designed to be complicated. They're designed to mm-hmm. not function as well as they should, just so the money just kind of sits there and then can get reused for whatever it, they want to use it for other than its intended purpose. Uh, you know, the welfare is like that, um, like the, the post office, like the United States Postal Service, mm-hmm. the funding for them is just getting all messed up. Um, they, you know, they're being overworked, uh, told to do more, more work than they're really, you know, getting paid to do. And they're getting cutbacks in the sense of like, uh, not delivering in a certain time frame and this and that it's, it's just being destroyed from the inside out. Um, just that's how it is. Like a lot of the programs, uh, you know, with like local libraries and things like that are being overcomplicated. Uh, especially with like all the book bans we have going on in places now too, where they're just purposefully complicated to make it as difficult as possible, where it's just, you have to send all of your books in and then we'll tell you which ones you're allowed to get back. Like that mm-hmm. sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah. Here is governance not so far off from here with bureaucracy uh, yeah. and, and things. <laughs> So I want to I want to get into the topic of video games just because my podcast is about video games so I'm really mm-hmm. curious about 
your video game background as a whole, like, do you like playing video games? I do. Actually, I wanted to ask you a question before we move on to topic. What would okay. you have done if you had a unlimited budget to make a podcast? What would your answer be? I asked you that question because I think that my answer is keep doing what I'm just doing, uh, the video game podcast, but with okay. a higher, obviously with a higher production value and just overall what I'm trying to do with my podcast, like a, a part of that is is trying to get to to developers or people that are in the podcasting, in the video game scene in Colombia, which mm -hmm. is a really small scene right now. <laughs> And one of my objectives is just to give them a voice to be heard and to be known by more people. So mm -hmm. just getting to know um, developers, uh, video game artists, or yeah, every, every, like people that are in the industry that are still small, just beginning, and give them that voice. And that's what I'm doing currently, but it's hard to find them, like really find mm -hmm. out where they are. Uh, so I think I, I just would still do that, but with a high production value, for example, being able to fly where they where they are located, oh, be it okay. in my city or another city and talk to them face to face, get to know their studio, get to know their story like uh, on the ground and not just through a, 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 a an Internet meeting. Nice. Yeah. That's, yeah. We've we've thought about doing stuff like that, like in person shows like my my previous co-host. He lives like two hours away from me, roughly. Mm -hmm. And we have this, uh, we have a number of places around me that are nicer, like uh, bar, not bars, um, like breweries, mm -hmm. where I was thinking about going and just renting out like a, a floor in the building for Whoa. a few hours and just recording there. Cause I don't, I mean, I don't drink. My mm -hmm. co host like to drink. But that um, would but be so and, cool. It'd be pretty neat doing like an yeah. on location one. We could have like the owner. Come, come by and talk to us, you know, just about like what it's like to own a brewery, the process and things like that. That would be awesome. Awesome. I would make it like a video episode. That yeah. Time. You, you have to, cause you're, you're, you're in the space. Yeah, it, would defeat, like you're, it would defeat the purpose to go there and not show that mm -hmm, we're there. Yeah, of course you, you'd have to record it. And people, yeah. I guess would be really interested just not to hear you, but also to see what, where you are and what's mm -hmm. the story behind that. Yeah. yeah we were, we're, we contemplated doing that, but we never bothered. And, I mean, uh, it's, it it's a lot of time and also money. It's that. And it's just, it's the matter of being allowed to do it. Like there's a lot of people that just wouldn't let you do that. Yeah. Uh, it would be promotion for them, but a lot of people just, it's not that they don't care about the promotions. Of it, they just, they view it as a hassle. Like they just, it's a, it's a pain mm -hmm. uh, from, from their perspective. Uh, I know that from working when in advertising, previously uh when i worked in advertising sales like i'd go around and offer people stuff like oh you can do this for free as like an incentive and they would say no we're not interested mm -hmm. even though it's a free thing they'd be getting that could help them they would rather just be left alone than yeah than deal with it yeah many many times people think that, that that it's more the hassle than what they're getting out of it even if they're yeah. getting something big out of it People just want to be sometimes, many times actually, just they want to be left alone. Especially if it's something they're not familiar with, if they don't mm. understand it. Yeah. They're like, yeah. I don't get this. I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that podcasting, um, it's really different when you can record in the same space as, a, as the other person. I know it's mm -hmm. really difficult most of the time. For example, this podcast or this episode would never have happened uh, if those were the rules. But 
I can fly I have... down. That's not a problem. Mm, I'm happy to uh, I mean, you're always invited to to come here, of course. <laughs> Colombia is a really nice country, and nowadays with the dollar to to Colombian peso exchange, it's really mm. cheap for you guys. But yeah, it's it's not realistically possible to do it. But it's <laughs> whenever you can do it, it's. Mm-hmm. I feel it's like you have a different connection with the person you're speaking when you see them face to face. Yeah. Yeah, there's more of a connection there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's easier to, you can see their face while they're talking and it gives you a different perspective of like, oh, this, yeah. you know, this is, it's more emotion in it. So you yeah. can kind of get a better idea of how they're feeling about what they're uh, saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. You feel more connected, more connected as a whole. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that's what I feel. Yeah. We, it's funny. We've, my old co-host has come down to my place, uh, at least twice. Uh, we, we've met, usually we meet like halfway and we go somewhere. So we're not both having to drive so far. I've been up there a couple of times, never did a podcast in person though, for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm contemplating, uh, now that you talk about it, one of my further episodes is going to be talking to a guy, which is, he's a pilot, uh, but he does not, um, he's not working as a pilot currently. Um, hmm. but he loves to, and I don't understand it fully, but he loves to go like in this online worlds, multiplayer worlds where you pilot your plane and there's like an actual air traffic controller and there's an actual person managing uh, comms. And so it's <laughs> an, an entire like whole world in online, which he plays yeah. in and it's a, it's a virtual simulation, which he plays in, but he's so into it. And I just want to know like, <laughs> What, what, why do you like that? Why is it that, how did you get into that? How did you get to know those forums and those people? And it's like a whole entire universe that I've never know, knew existed if it wasn't yeah. for, for him. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking about doing it in person. That's why I mentioned it. I don't nice. think you, that you're going to interview him while he's flying a plane. That mm-hmm. could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> while he's flying a virtual plane, actually. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You had asked me, I think, like, uh, do I like playing games and what do I play? Mm-hmm, yes. I've been playing video games since I was, like, three years old, maybe. How uh, old are you? I'm 29. Okay, so I'm the older one. <laughs> yeah. And what was your first console? It was, the, it was the original Nintendo, actually. What? Which was the NES? Yes, yeah. And what did yeah. you play in the, on the NES? We had um, Super Mario Brothers. We had Metroid, uh, Donkey Kong. Or are you talking uh, about the SNES, SNES? We had, yeah, I might be getting them confused. I we had both of them. I know at one point I forget which games were on which at this point. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. I uh, guess you played Duck Hunt. We had Duck Hunt. I still have the original box that Duck Hunt came in with the oh, poster really? and, and everything. I still have, I have the gun <laughs> stowed away. Yeah somewhere yeah i've got the gun and everything in there it's it's all right it's almost in perfect condition mm-hmm. i was like so i'm like i kept that and i'm like i'm not gonna let this get damaged <laughs> yeah, i played those um i've played a lot of the systems after those you know i got uh the play the original playstation the gamecube you know playstation 2 3 4 5 i've had every xbox um i've been on and off with nintendo since then i had GameCube, then I got the Wii. I skipped the 64. Never had a Nintendo 64. So you've um, never played most of the 64 games? 
Yeah, no, it's true. Like Goldeneye, that sort yeah. of games. You I did. I, pl- I, d- I have played Golden. I played that at my cousin's house before. Oh, okay, okay. But like, uh, I, I don't know, um, like the original Super Smash Bros. Or yeah, I haven't played the original one. No. I I have played Mario sixty four. Co- Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Have you played it? Uh, I have played that one actually. Yes. Oh, so yeah, you've I played. played, yeah, played the, you've I played, played the. Uh, it came out as part of the rare collection. Oh, or whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. I played that's it. Right. That. That's right. And the Star Fox game sixty four. I don't know that I played Star Fox 64. I've played a Star Fox game, but I don't. I couldn't tell you what it was. The one with the dinosaurs? Uh, I don't remember. I really don't remember at all. I just okay. remember that I had one. <laughs> it might have been on GameCube even. Because yeah, Game GameCube had two of those games, both really yeah. good. One of those was with the dinosaurs. It was like a third-person action adventure game that deviated a lot from. To be honest. No. But yeah, the Nintendo 64 platform has a lot of great games, but the GameCube has a lot of great games as well. Yeah. Yeah, I had the Wii, then I got, I didn't get the Wii U, but I got the, we have the Switch. Mm-hmm. We have that one now. We have all the current consoles and that's kind of how it's been going forward. We'll, we'll probably keep getting each current gen console. And what do you feel like got you into gaming? Why do you feel that you got into games as a, as a whole? I don't remember how I got started, to be honest. You just um, remember you played games. I just know I had it. Yeah, I, I don't know where it came from, where we got where we got it from. I just remember playing it. I remember getting the original place, the original PlayStation. I ended up. Mm-hmm. I think my dad got me like the smaller version of it. I don't know what the second version of it was called. Um, it was like a more curved version, but I had the original PlayStation One, and I remember having. I think it was Need for Speed, and we even had the. Uh, steering wheel controller and everything i was so bad at that <laughs> that was terrible um yeah i just enjoyed it. i enjoyed like the challenge of it and i enjoyed being in like the, you know the other all these like crazy ridiculous worlds and uh do you have any part do you have any particular memory about gaming when you were younger that like really sticks out I don't know, like maybe a, a gaming session in a in a cousin's house or an all nighter, or you trying to beat a game or something of the sort. Not in the not in like the early days of it. Like the the sessions that stick out a lot are like when I got into Call of Duty in middle school, high school, like that time period from like Call of Duty World at War until mm-hmm. Call of Duty like Modern Warfare three, roughly, uh, mm-hmm. and just. Those were, you know, every summer I would just be inside. I mean, not all day, every day, but every summer I'd be inside for hours all the time. Just we'd be playing those games so much. Uh, just I that was the game I played the most at that time period. Staying up all night because we had a we had a downstairs area in our house, like a finished basement. And we had like a game room where we had the game consoles. We had like air hockey Oh, uh, like seems... a billiards table we had a uh, table tennis we had uh darts and stuff like that like we had all sorts of stuff down there and that uh, sounds I, so cool it was i i didn't appreciate it enough as a kid hmm. um yeah it was it was downstairs and it was quiet so like when my parents would go to bed i wouldn't be bothering them so i could just be down there all night just playing call of duty or whatever games i wanted to play and so it was a, it was a great time yeah, like the man cave. Something a lot, uh, like a man cave, I guess. But for games. 
Yeah, no, it was it was definitely like a man cave. Sorry if you, if I uh, I mute myself every once in a while. I'm taking a drink. Oh, okay, is, okay, no, it no is problem. so hot in here. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'm looking at the th- I'm looking at the thermometer behind me on the wall. It is like 85 degrees in here. <laughs> I'm just sweating up a storm. I'm like, oh man. 85, which is, uh, it's funny because you mentioned 85 degrees as hot. And where I'm at, we are currently at 95 Fahrenheit and it's so hot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it's just hot in here because it's super humid as well. Yeah, and, of course. Uh, I'm, I prefer to be in the air conditioned. <laughs> I'll turn it on once we're once we're done. But yeah, no, I I I always had a fun time playing Call of Duty and stuff like that. I just remember playing with my friends constantly, and we just we'd have so much fun. We'd get angry a lot as well, but it was mm-hmm. it was a ton of fun. Uh, I remember playing like the original hockey, like NHL, whatever it was at the time, NHL mm-hmm. 2012 or something. I don't know, probably earlier than that. Uh, and, uh, just having like great comebacks against some of my friends. Uh, uh, there was one, one time in particular, I was over at a friend's house and we had, we had been playing. It was what, it was not long after Halo three, uh, was released and they were talking about like, they were really into multiplayer at the time. And I wasn't into Halo multiplayer. I, I wasn't really playing Halo at all at the time very much. Um, but, uh, they're like, oh, you got to get it. You got to play with us. I was like, all right. And so I got it and I played a little bit of the multiplayer with them, like right away. And I wasn't very good at it because Halo is a lot different at the time. It was a lot different mm, yes. from like call of duty and a lot of the yes. other shooters. And, uh, so I just, I was not good at it and I got a little bit better, a little bit better. And I remember going into school and my friend saying, oh, he's, he's doing a little bit better, but he's still not very good. And I'm like, okay. And I thought, oh, I can get better if I just, uh, if I play the campaign a lot. And so that's what I would do. I would sit there and I'd play the campaign and I'd play through it. I'd play through it on, you know, a little bit harder, a little bit harder. And I'd play through it on legendary. Then I played through it on lasso legendary with all the skulls on. And I played through that and I went into school and I would tell them about this, you know, after I did it and they're like, there's no way you, you beat it on legendary. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I did it. I put all the skulls on. Apparently that's the thing. And they're like, what? They didn't believe me. And so sometime later, they we were, we're having like a sleepover at one of my friend's houses. And there's like four of us there. And they're like, you need to play play a level and show us that you can beat it on Legendary. And I played through, I think it was Cortana is what it's called. When you go to rescue her from like the hive on the, mm-hmm. the One Covenant ship. And the, uh, they've taken over uh, the entire ship. It's completely covered. Mm-hmm. The and, flood, uh, I think, or the, the hive, yeah, the flood. Yeah, the flood. I think I said the hive. I don't know why I said that. Uh, yeah, the flood have completely taken over the ship. Um, and I played through like half that level without getting hit, like even hurt at all. And they were losing their minds. And to be <laughs> fair, I'm not that good at the game. I was just getting very lucky, and I was just in the zone. And uh, I was doing that. And then they, uh, they tried playing a different level. And I don't remember what the level's called. It's the level. You play through it, you you finish level, and then the flood show up by crashing the ship, and you turn around, and you play through the same level but backwards with the flood yeah. in it. Um, and I got through like a huge portion of that without getting hit as well. And they're just they kept doing that. They, we played like three or four levels. They had me play where they would just go through the main menu, select a level, and have me play <laughs> through it. 
at random and I kept doing really well at it. And I was, I just remember that being like, I showed them. They didn't think they could do it. Do you feel at the end when, after you did those um, playthroughs, which I find amazing too, because I, I found, I find Halo legendary to be really difficult. I mean, the schools, it would be near impossible, but do you feel after playing that you became better in multiplayer or you just didn't not, did not play afterwards multiplayer? I think it's different. Like, uh, I don't think it helped me multiplayer that, I mean, it helped with like my aiming and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Like I, it definitely helped like, because when you're, when you're playing with like the skulls on, you have to be super accurate and precise. You need to hit your shots. You need to learn how to like dodge and things like that to an extent. Um, but it's very different. Like with the campaign, it's a lot about memorization. Yeah. You learn where the enemies are going to be. You learn, okay, if I do this, this is how I can get around. I can take them. Out. And it's just a matter of building up a plan from start to finish to make your way through the level without dying, essentially. Whereas the multiplayer, you know kind of where the other teams are going to be, but you can't tell exactly what they're going to do because it's other people. And so yeah. you can, it'll help with your aim. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I got a little bit better in that regard. I understood how the weapons worked a bit more. Uh, I understood how to move around a little bit more and survive a little bit longer. But I think multiplayer is a different skill set because you're learning how to play against people as opposed to how to memorize yeah uh, like a playthrough and people that had erratic behavior not 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 a behavior that you exactly. could anticipate yeah. of course i did end up getting better at halo like years later um but that was just that was a separate issue i just played it a lot more and got used to it i was never very good at it though i was probably average at best probably below average even i remember um, i remember playing halo 2 was my first halo mm -hmm. with uh one of my best memories about gaming actually was that that we played LAN Halo in a cousin's house mm -hmm. where we had like three rooms, three separate rooms connected through LAN cables. And there were three different teams, each in a, each in a room. And at first I was so bad, so, so bad. I had never played it. I was the <laughs> worst of all my cousins. It was me. But afterwards, like I became really, really, really good. I, I remember playing Halo 3 online and I became like really, really good. And I, I actually remember one time we were some, with some friends and I said like, yeah, I'm really good. And they were like, no way. And I bet them that they could play the three of them against me. And if they killed me once, they, they'd win the, the bet. And they yeah. <laughs> they couldn't even kill me once. I remember that Halo 3. Nice. And for me, Halo Halo Reach was the, the last good Halo after that. I just, That's I lost. the one I got better at. Yeah, it's the one yeah. I played a lot of them was better at. For me, yeah, for me, it was the best one. After yeah. that, I guess it <laughs> yeah, just that's where the series much. ended. It's sad, but yeah, that's... <laughs> for, for me, it ended there. Yeah, yeah. I did think you made me think of that. Like with, uh, I would go over to my cousins to visit every once in a while, and they played video games, but not as much as I did. They were very much busy with like other stuff. Like they played a lot of sports in school, mm -hmm. and I I played video games, and I just did my own. Like I was into like snowboarding. Uh, for the most part, and I played soccer a little bit, but I didn't play for this for my school. Mm -hmm. um, but I would go over there, and they'd be like, "Oh, we got Call of Duty. We can try it out." I'm like, "Oh, okay." And I remember it was, uh, I was, I forget what year it even would have been. Uh, I think it was after I graduated high school, but I just remember going over to their house, and they had Call of Duty Black Ops Two, I think. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, <laughs> there's on the map hijack, which is like a, a yacht, like a big boat. And it's just, it's that map you run around on and like, oh, we'll play on this. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. And I just remember absolutely destroying them in that. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, I was like, oh, it'll just be two on one. That'll be funny. Be, we'll see what happens. I'm like, okay. And I just dominated. They, they killed me a couple of times, but it was like, I'm, I'm running a call. Like at the time, Call of Duty was my game. Like that was the game I played all the time. Okay. And so I was, I was good at it. Uh, and uh, I'm just running around. I'm jumping off the tops of stairs, spinning around, shooting them in the back of the head. Like I'm just absolutely wrecking them. And it was, it was just funny watching their reaction to it. I'm like, wow, I'm actually doing good. I can't believe it. Yeah, I'm just pretending like it's not a game I'm super familiar with. <laughs> yeah, I, I talking about Call of Duty stories. One of my cousins, I. Because uh, as I told you before, here in Colombia, for the most part, not n not as much nowadays, but for the most part in the past, technology got here like after it got into the U.S., like mainstream technology. Mm. So I remember one, like many, many, when Call of Duty 2 came out, there was a cousin of mine that played that um, like obsessively. Mm -hmm. And I think that, well, he was, there were so few people uh, playing video games on the internet in that year as a whole in Colombia. And so less people played Call of Duty, but there were like clans and, and such. And he became mm -hmm. like the 14th best player in the world or something like that, or Colombia or something like that. But that was so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we used to do game battles, which is like competitive. And we would, we would do so well playing in that because we had a full team of people we played all the time and it was just that was a blast and it was fun because we would we would play competitively and then like friends i would go to high school with like i played competitively with people like online like these mm -hmm. weren't people i knew in real life mm -hmm. uh, it was just people i'd meet up with online and be like oh okay you're good you can play and then we'd slowly made a team and then like i'd play with friends from high school and it'd be so funny playing games with them where it's just so casual and they're like trying to just, you know, they're just trying to play. And I would, I just remember calling a nuke like four or five games in a row. Oh my God. A nuke. <laughs> yeah. That was what? Like 100 kill streak or something like that or 50 kill streak? Uh, no, it was 30, I believe at the time. Okay. They, yeah. 30, changed 30, it from 30. 25 to 30, I think at mm -hmm. some point. But still, that's a lot. But yeah. I, I think it's maybe it's always been 30. But yeah, I just remember him like he's doing, he's like, he has like one kill and like 15 deaths. And I call in a nuke. I'm like, oh, don't worry, we win. It's fine. <laughs> and just watching my friend think I'm that good at the game when in reality it's just I'm playing in a non-competitive lobby. Uh, yeah, of and course. we're being matched up because he's host. And there he's going up against people who have never played the game before almost. <laughs> so you've got you've got quite a, a few memories about gaming, and I, I what I'm hearing is that you like video games you've you've got all the consoles has your has your gaming interest changed over the years like what yeah that, really that was exactly what i was going to talk about exactly mm -hmm. was what i was going to ask you and for my for my part i guess that um before i used to want to play every single game that i thought was like cool looking or interesting yeah and nowadays uh like my patience and there's 
like there's a whole other thing we could talk about here but I, I I'm feeling as if in general people's attention spans have decreased a ton mm-hmm. yeah. and so for me for a game to capture my attention it has to be like fast paced like give me a, re- a an instant reward like for example oh I love overwatch mm-hmm. um the shooters things like that yeah. Uh, once in a while i like to play like an adventure game i want to play i haven't but i want to play the new zelda the harry potter game uh, but mm. for most of the time games do not capture my attention as they did before like it has to be a really good game it has to be have a great a great story an easy set of controls not too complicated not too deep as into if it's too complicated i'll just lose patience so I guess, yes, of course, uh, my gaming habits and interests have changed. I think like 50% of that uh, because of how, of, of what, of, or, or where I'm at life right now. Uh, like yeah. you grow up, your interests mm-hmm. change, um, you have less time. Uh, like, for example, economics, uh, Ten years ago, I, I didn't give a, a damn about economics, and nowadays I it's something that I every day uh, have in my life. Uh, like how's the economy doing? How are jobs, the market, the stocks, etc. So yeah, interest change that that I guess is like fifty percent of it. But I guess the other fifty percent, what was I mentioned to you, which is the the, the attention spans of people that have changed throughout the years mm-hmm. uh, a bit with because of social media social media and giving you like the 15 second video the instant reward that you see when you get a like or you give a like and things like that so it's like 50 50 percent of things that have changed my gaming interests and habits as a whole i think gaming has changed like the the mark the whole industry has changed too as far as there's it's a lot of it is just science at this point where what is the best way to make a game that will keep people coming back? Yeah. You know, yeah. with the loot boxes, you know, it, the way like Fortnite is designed around that where it's like, oh, it, fast paced. It makes a bunch of references to popular things right now. We have like the loot boxes and things like that. Like it's all based around making people feel like they're missing out if they don't play, if yeah, they don't the do of, everything in it. The fear of missing out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and having big moments. Yeah, yeah, and I guess gaming has suffered as a whole because before when you bought a game, that was it. Like, you didn't mm-hmm. have DLCs. Um, you didn't have, for the most part, game-breaking bugs. It was yeah. the game you, you had. Nowadays, when a game comes out, it has a lot of bugs. It's It feels you have unfinished. no idea if it's even going to be playable. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it feels unfinished in a sense that they make you pay for the extra, for the DLC, for the extra mm-hmm. characters, for the the battle pass that if you don't play it, you'll, you're you going to feel, as you said, left out. That's the worst. Paying that is for something worst. and then not being able to use it if you don't play it in time. Mm-hmm. Like I got really frustrated with Destiny 2. And I, I got frustrated at the idea of it. Not that I felt personally mm-hmm. affected by it because I didn't, I didn't play a lot of Destiny 2. Uh, and I was late to the game on that one, but I had the game and started it up and then realized that like the first like year or two year, however long it was, the first couple years of the game being out, 
all of that content is gone. So yeah. you paid for that game and you can't play it now, which is insane to me that you like, oh, yeah, no, you're not allowed to play that game you paid for and you have to pay us more to play the other game now. So like if you don't buy any of the DLC for Destiny 2, you can't play the game you bought, which is crazy to me. Yeah, I, like I think it's a difficult topic in the sense that games, the cost of, of developing games has ballooned because mm -hmm. games are now bigger. Uh, they have more things. Uh, production sure. costs are higher. Um, so in a sense, the developers has have to find ways to make money on the game. Definitely, yeah. And with AAA games especially, it's becoming more and more difficult to make money with a single uh, price point, with the 60 mm -hmm. price point or the newly in, in like the new 70 price point they're trying to to make us pay now. Yeah. So like I feel they have to find a new balance for it because I, I'm not entirely convinced with the battle pass system and, and as a whole mm -hmm. because they're all vying for your attention and you you like you can dedicate yourself to maybe one, two, three games as a maximum. So I guess, I don't know. I I don't know if you've, you've thought about this, but I don't know if you've thought about any type of like economic or yeah, economic system that, that companies can, can create in order to win money on their games without uh, negatively affecting players as a whole, mm -hmm. as you as I, you were talking just with this. I don't have a problem with the microtransactions in general. It's just the way that they're being used. I, I have the problem with like the idea of having DLC isn't what's re isn't what's bad to me. Like yeah. having a battle pass is fine. Like they the way they used it in the Master Chief Collection. I think they're doing it with yeah. Halo yeah. Infinite now. I, I'm not sure. I haven't played it enough. Where yes. you you buy it and then you just have it. You can use it whenever you want it. And you can go back and you can switch between them, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's fine to me. You're paying for something and you get to keep it. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, even like Call of Duty is ridiculous with the amount of DLC they have nowadays. Uh, I forget. I don't remember what it's at now because they switched over. I could probably do the math since they've stopped. The original Modern Warfare, the Modern Warfare from 2019, uh, Warzone. I forget. It's... It's like $100,000 or something you can spend on DLC in that game. Because they have so many different mm -hmm. uh, things where it's like every single gun, you can spend $20 to get a white camo for it. Mm -hmm. And then they have, you know, every single gun, you can do the same thing for green and blue. Like they, they've made it so expensive for just basic camos and like everything they've monetized every aspect of it and that's sort of i mean if people are willing to pay for it that's on them they mm -hmm. shouldn't complain about it if they're gonna keep giving them money anyway i mean you vote with your wallet if you yeah. if you don't spend money on it they're not gonna do it they're gonna realize people don't want it um but i don't i don't have a problem with the idea of having d paid dlc and you know, cosmetic stuff. I think if you make people pay in order to be competitive, I think that's a problem. Uh, you saw that with, uh, what was the Diablo game on phones? Immortal? Diablo Immortal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, where you have to spend like $700,000 to fully level up your character. That's, that's, that's awful. Absurd. That's yeah. absurd. 
Um, you mentioned like the $70 price point for games. Again, I don't really have a problem with that. The problem I have is spending $70 and then getting a game that's just objectively not finished Mm -hmm. where it like with, uh, uh, cyberpunk spending. I don't remember if that was $70 or not, but $60 we'll say spending $60 and you literally couldn't play the game. Like there were points in that game where you would get stuck in an elevator with the character and you couldn't get out and he wouldn't move and you couldn't play it. And like, if I'm spending the money and I can't play the game, you're robbing me essentially. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also for example, in games, for example, the Sims, um, mm-hmm. which I feel that uh, EA releases a game which you pay for, but then makes you feel that the game is incomplete unless you buy their expansion packs. Cause I don't have a problem yeah. with DLC. Um, in the sense that, for example, if you if you play The Witcher Three, it's mm-hmm. a great game. It's yes. a complete and Love full it. game. And when you finish the game, if you want more of it, you can pay for the DLC. But if you mm-hmm. don't, it's fine if you just played the, the 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 game as a whole. With things such as The Sims, uh, they make you feel as if you buy the game and don't buy the DLC, you're losing on the game. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, there's a... Do you know the game Cities Skylines? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like Sim City for people that don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's another game where I felt like that, where I was going to build stuff and I was like, oh, I remember in Sim City from like early 2000s, you could call in like natural disasters and stuff like that. And I was looking into it. You, The natural disasters are part of like DLC. Uh, you can't even build skyscrapers without DLC. Like huge mm-hmm. portions of the game are behind you know paid dlc and like you were saying like that's a you know it's it's important to get the full game in that uh, aspect uh, uh, yeah at least the feel the feel of the full yeah. game it doesn't feel like you have you know mm-hmm. the full game there it felt kind of basic without it yes I mean, you can you can look back at like a lot of games from before uh you know like years and years ago that were full games that had reasonable dlc and people are going to laugh when I say this, but like if you look at The Elder Scrolls Oblivion, Ooh, people yeah. make fun of that game because that had horse armor in mm-hmm. it. That was three bucks, mm. uh, which the fact that people made fun of that back then is hilarious now, considering they'll pay $20 for white camouflage for one gun yeah. in Call of Duty. Yeah. But that also had the Shivering Isles, which I think was $20, I think. And that that was a whole like extra world in that in that game. Like, that was totally worth it. It was a great DLC back then. But the game itself, the base game, was also a fully finished, fully fleshed out, amazing game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man. And nowadays, you're paying for games that don't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I, as I mentioned, for example, I, I love Overwatch. And I love the first one. But when they released the second one, uh, for players that don't pay for the Battle Pass, for example, you... Mm-hmm when they release a new character, like a playable character that has its own abilities and uh, and, and such, mm-hmm. if you don't play for the battle pass, if you don't pay for the battle pass, you'll have to grind the game until a certain level in order to unlock that character. And if you don't, you won't have that character and you'll have to do like a sort of unlocks in future seasons. You don't know when exactly in order for yeah. you to get that character. So you'll actively be um, like 
in an in a in an underdog position if you don't have the character because I mean your team might not be able to play in such a way that you win if there if you cannot counter another character for which that character is a counter. Yeah. So yeah, I guess companies I like what you mentioned about the Master Chief collection. I, I like I really like that uh, battle pass model. Um I think it strikes a good balance between being an additional content, but not making you feel like you're missing out on things because it's cosmetics and such. Mm -hmm. But I just don't know where companies are going to go in terms of monetization going forwards. Uh, I just don't see it. Like I, I, I don't see a very bright future in that sense. Like I see more and more transactions and more DLC that makes a, mm -hmm. a, a game feel unfinished. And nowadays with AI and uh, we don't know that, but maybe with the NFT things, like companies wanting to to gain more and more money at the like at the at the expense of the customer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think part of it too is like not even broken games like just games the number of times now where i see games where they're an alpha and you pay twenty dollars to play an alpha version of the game or the beta version and then it's in alpha or beta for years yeah. like look at escape from tarkov that game has been out for years it's still not fully released but you can pay up to like i think 120 dollars for a version of that game and it, you're just you're paying to test a game Mm -hmm. instead of just paying for a final game like it's it's weird to me that you're you're having to pay for unfinished games in that regard and then i don't know i i, I understand the benefits of it as well especially for small mm -hmm. studios who don't have as much funding by purchasing the game before it's released uh fully you're funding the rest of the development yes yes yeah how do you think um, monetization is going to go forward in the in the gaming in the gaming ecosystem as a whole? Where do you see monetization going forward? I don't. I'm not sure. I I think we're seeing a lot of it right now with the uh, battle pass systems. Like more and more, every game that comes out anymore seems to have a battle pass. Yeah. Um, something similar to that. I think we're gonna keep seeing. That the obvious like uh, cosmetic stuff. I just don't know. I don't know. They. I think it'll depend on the technology that comes out. Because uh, like, look what happened with NFTs. Mm -hmm. You know, you saw. I think it's Square Enix is still talking about putting NFTs in their games. Maybe I think it's Square Enix. Uh, but I think depending on what the technology is, that's what will drive the monetization. Where it's a new technology, anything that makes it seem. Uh, unique and like they're going to miss out on a huge opportunity that's what's going to drive the monetization uh, that's why they they wanted to use nfts because it was like oh people are going to pay to get this one-of-a-kind item in our game and it'll drive people to play the game so they don't miss out thinking they can make some money on it i don't know i i don't one of the more recent things has been Facebook or Meta now trying to push the metaverse where you yeah. can buy digital space in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. And Although it's I, not going. 
it's not going yeah, well for them. Yeah, it's but, not going well at all. It's not going well. Yeah. At all. Uh, yeah. But stuff like that, I can see catching on at a certain point later on. I don't know if you remember, this was from years and years ago as well. PlayStation Home. I, I never got to experience it. In that time, I was a Microsoft guy. Okay. I had the, the 360. I'll, ex- I'll explain it for people that don't know. Essentially, on PlayStation, you could, it was it was basically a game, uh, but you would you'd go into this game. They had like hub worlds, and then you could buy ha- like digital houses uh, in this game called PlayStation Home. And you could design your house and customize it however you want. And you could invite other, like your friends over, whatever. And they have the little avatar. And you would just hang out in your home space. And it's essentially, uh, what is it? Was it? Is it Second Life? Is that what the game was called from years ago? Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. It's essentially like that, but for PlayStation. And I can see something like that being popular again in the future in like the like metaverse style where it's, you know, uh, virtual reality, um, you know, 3D space, like stuff like that. I can definitely see that picking up. I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. I don't think virtual reality headsets are good enough uh, yet. That It's not good enough and they're not popular enough. I think there's a lot of issues. Comfortable. Can you repeat that? I'm sorry. No, that, that they're expensive. They're still expensive and they're not as comfortable yeah. for people for long periods of time. Yeah, that's that was sort of what I was getting to. Yeah, it's there's a lot of hurdles between the VR like the technology and it being popular. Like you said, it's not comfortable. A lot of them are really bulky. We have the mm-hmm. PlayStation VR, mm-hmm. the first one, uh, and it's interesting. But like, I get sick pretty quickly. Like, I can only last like 15 minutes maybe before I start getting nauseous and feeling like I'm like I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> like, yeah. There's that. Uh, they're like you said, they're expensive. Uh, the fact that a lot of them are wired still, most of them. I don't. I'm sure there's some wireless ones, but yeah, it needs to be wireless. It needs to be less bulky on your head, and it needs to be a lot, a lot cheaper uh, for people to yeah, be able to afford accessible. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, there's a lot of games for it that are like Resident Evil was a game we had for it. Uh, I got very sick from that. I couldn't play it at all. We literally didn't get through the opening area of that game because I just kept getting sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the games for them are not super interesting. Like they're just, you need to have more games that are designed for virtual reality, you know, that aren't just Resident Evil, but now in VR. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that are not just like a technology showcase of the of the Exactly, yeah. There, it just feels like an accessory as opposed mm-hmm. to its own standalone system sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I, it, until it becomes easily accessible for everybody, it's not going to catch on because too many people are, like I said, there's so many people get sick from it as well. I'm, I know I'm not the only one that makes them nauseous. Uh, but other than that, the price tag is the main thing as well. People don't want to spend that much on it. Yeah, it costs, I think, more than a PS5 system. Yeah, uh, I might be right. I don't remember what the most recent cost is. Five fifty US dollars. Oh, okay. So that's and that's I think with without a game. So yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. You know when when I think about the future (laughs) of games, um, I mean it might be a little radical 
but I, I, I feel as if there's some type of foresight we can see in Japan and mm. not exactly of games as a whole, but as of a society that games, when we see people that are, I don't know if you've seen the news, these types of news about it. When you see people that are like literally living in internet cafes, uh, 24 yeah. 7 they shower in the internet cafe they live there because uh, the rent is cheaper on the internet cafe than it would be if they rented out a room somewhere and uh, like it's it's really this topic uh but i don't know with with all the with everything that's going on inflation house prices uh bubbles uh, population expanding, fewer resources, climate change, everything. I see kind of something similar than what is happening there. I don't know if in 10 or 50 years, but something of this sort, hopefully not. But maybe mm. people getting into games uh, to just lose themselves in the game as mm -hmm. a whole, because the real world is not, uh, it's like it's dystopic. Yeah. But also, and I saw that when the NFT boom was, uh, yeah, was booming. People in in countries such as Venezuela or or the Philippines, where they could farm for money in games, and it would be a better deal for them to farm money in digital games than to work in a real life work. Yeah, which is I find like, I mean. Mind blowing. Yeah, it, uh, I don't know. It, it's weird. I mean, it all comes down to what people are willing to pay for certain things as well. You know, that's mm -hmm. kind of what we saw with COVID and then right after COVID, still sort of, but not as much with like, you know, workers' rights in the United States with, you know, working from home, being paid living wages. Mm -hmm. Um, I know the most recent thing right now is like Elon Musk saying that, you know, the lap, I think he called him the laptop generation saying that they, they're entitled just because they, uh, want to work from home. Uh, this is the same guy that refuses to pay rent <laughs> for his uh, yeah. offices, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, no, it's, I, I think it, it is, there's two, it's two sides of the same coin. You have people who feel entitled to just have stuff, whatever they want, uh, and that they don't need to work as hard for it. They feel like, oh, you know what? Other generations have had it too good. You know, we should be able to get what we want now. And I think that's a bit extreme. But then you also have, for a long time, people that uh, have just kind of been rolling over and getting whatever it is they get handed. You know, like they, they're like, okay, you know, if I can get anything, that's fine. They just, they, they take the abuse. Um, yeah. So I think as with anything, you need to have a middle ground where it's like, yeah, yeah you should get a, a fair wage, but you also have to earn it and work for it. Yeah, I don't think you should just, mm -hmm. just, I don't think you should just be handed everything. Mm -hmm. But, but the, the thing with the, the metaverse, if something of this sort were to, um, to expand and to become more popular for people, you see mm -hmm. gaming becoming like, like jobs. If that's, if I can call it that, um, mm -hmm. Like people working, but not working, but just working digitally in the sense that they are inside. A, let's call it a game, but they're working. Yeah. It's, 
it's just, I mean, you've seen that for a while to a certain extent, like people paying other people like, hey, I, I think kind of what you were talking about. Hey, I want you to play this game for me, level my guy up so I can come back to it and just play it and not have to worry about the boring part, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how we incorporate gaming into everyday life as far as using it to uh, accomplish tasks. Like if the U.S. military, for example, the way they use gamers to uh, operate drones in the, the Air Force. You know, they, they play on Xbox controllers, essentially, mm-hmm. to control a lot of like the, the drones. I, I'm pretty sure. I think it's just unmanned drones. And, uh, you know, people using, uh, what is it, truck simulator, mm-hmm. just driving trucks around. Uh, it'll be interesting, to see, like, even with, uh, like, racing games. These people have full, like, steering wheels, gas pedals, and everything. Like, and at what point are we just going to have these people try and do these actual tasks in real life <laughs> using the, the skills they've gained from gaming? Or maybe yeah. it doesn't translate at all. Who knows? Yeah, but also uh, thinking about, I know it's a different topic, but thinking about with the advent of AI and we don't know exactly mm-hmm. how much AI is going to take over jobs and and of everyday tasks, mm-hmm. hypothetically people wouldn't have to work as much as now because yeah. AI is doing like work that before existed and now I don't mm-hmm. know how it's going to work, but... The thing is, people might have or look, as I as I mentioned, like in Japan, ways to escape the real world, and they find that escapi- escapism in, in video games, in virtual mm. worlds. Yeah, I th- I don't do a deep dive on AI, but I think people do overestimate how effective it is right now. Yeah, uh, right now, yes. they're making it out like AI can do everything right now, and it's just not the case. Mm-hmm. It's basically just use. Uh, there's a couple, you know, you can have AI generate images, video. Like, I don't know if you've seen like some of the videos people have posted on Reddit where it's mm-hmm. like AI made a like beer commercial. And uh, I forget what the other one was. There's there's at least two I saw. Um, but it, it's just, it's absurd. It, does, it looks ridiculous where it's like mm-hmm. people have, they're supposed to be holding beer bottles, but the beer bottles are like in their arms. Uh, yeah. And as it goes on, everything is just on fire. And it's just, the whole thing is ridiculous. People look weird. Um, you have like the text-based ones where, you know, you can ask it to do stuff like tasks for you and generate code, give you answers. Um, and then even then, all it's doing is taking the information from various websites and putting it into one location mm-hmm. and for you. But you still have to understand how to use it. Mm-hmm. Like, I could go... I let's say I need an answer for like a science question. I need to know enough how to ask it properly to get the right answer. Um, so like you still need to be educated on it enough to be able to use it in a way that makes it effective. And right now, a lot of people are just using it to make, you know, pictures and, you know, write stuff up for them for school and it's not being used to its full extent. Uh, it'll probably it's it's going to replace some jobs for sure. Um, but I think there's there's so many people now that just don't understand it at all, 
like I use it a lot for work where I, you know, with, with what I'm doing, uh, where I, I have it generate lines of code for me to build websites. Um, I have it, I use it to create example text, but at the same time, I'm aware that it's plagiarism to just use it, like copy and paste it. So all, you know, you can have it use, uh, you can have it create, uh, like text for you, but then you have to rewrite that and make it your own anyway. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's a mess right now. People not knowing how to use it. There's an article I saw the other day about uh, a teacher failing all of their students because they used oh, yeah, I saw that. AI to write their papers. But if you go to those websites where it's like an AI detector website, they don't work at all. They're, they're just, they don't work at all. Uh, I remember you can put in the, like, uh, the Constitution for the United States and it'll tell you that it's AI generated, which is obviously not true. Uh, you can put in like the Bible and it'll tell you that it was made by an AI. And it, you know, it's just, we'll, it we'll doesn't have work. Conspiracy theorists talking about how the constitution and the Bible are made by a reptilian species. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It, so it's like stuff like that where it's like, it, it it's causing a lot of as many problems as it's solving right now because people don't understand it. They don't know how to use it. And so like, obviously there's a lot of talk on like, it's going to take jobs, but it's really, really overblown. Uh, but it makes for, uh, entertaining television, I guess. And so people are, are watching it and clicking on it online. And as long as it's getting attention, that's all that people care about. They don't care if it's true or not. But I guess at some point that's going to get, like better uh, AI is going to get better. At oh, it is going to get better videos. for sure. Yeah. Um, do you think it might overlap into video games? For example, um, AI making simple things such as a video game style. Uh, Definitely. I mean, look at like, uh, you know, how things are already randomly generated in, in games. Like look at, mm-hmm. you know, Minecraft where it just randomly generates worlds. Um, any game that does that really, I'm, I can't think of all at, at once, but I mean, right now it's just based on code where it's randomly placing specific blocks based on, you know, as long as it works with other things, like you're just containing it where while AI, once AI gets better, it's going to be able to make way more detailed, unique, you know, worlds and, and functions that people wouldn't be able to normally program. Um, so I think in that regard, it's going to be able to create a lot of unique randomly generated stuff. Um, but I don't think you're, you're not, I don't think you're going to see AI making full games cause it's going to feel like, uh, an AI made it. Mm-hmm. You, you have to have people doing stuff to a certain extent yeah, taking decisions in order to make it are, feel real. Mm-hmm. Taking decisions that affect, uh, the people, the person that is going to play it. Like an AI yeah. can't exactly make the decision that it feels is going to be the best for the player base. Yeah. For now, for now. Like I said, it's it's going to get better, but there's still a lot. Of, again, AI is based on like all of the information in the world, right? Like if you go online, like I don't know if you saw, they use AI for like hiring 
and it kept mm-hmm. turning down women because the AI oh my God, yes. found like, I forget what the thing was, but it kept like turning down women for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, we, the AI is like sexist in this regard. Yes. yes. And I like stuff that. like that where there's, there's so many kinks they're going to run into just because it's, like I said, it's the internet mm-hmm. and the internet is both a wonderful and horrible place. Yeah. I, I remember... <laughs> I know we've deviated from the video game themes, but I remember um, a Twitter account that was managed by an AI. I think it was from Microsoft, if I'm not mistaken. And it went rogue and it it just wrote like penis messages and yeah. whatnot. And they had to shut it down. It was funny. Mm-hmm. It lasted like a day or, or, or a few hours because yeah. it went rogue. Well, even now you see people like taking chat GPT and breaking it. Right, you can input uh, specific messages so that it goes around the like uh, security measures. Like you can get it to say horrible things. You can get it to do things it's not supposed to do, uh, just by like tricking it essentially. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. And this all started <laughs> with with us talking how games are going to move forward with, with monetization. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like I think people are anything that they can do to make more money with less work and cost less, they're gonna do. If they mm-hmm. can have AI make like skins for characters in games, they're absolutely gonna do that because mm-hmm. it it will require no work on their part. It won't cost them any money, and they're just gonna make money off of it. They'll absolutely yeah. do that. Yeah. Yes, but it has to work. Is the problem. If they start using AI and it doesn't work at all for what they want yes, it to but, do, but but for for things now that I mentioned it, for th- for things such as cosmetics, I, I see it like really viable. For example, for a battle pass, every mm-hmm. every season of a battle pass needs new skins, new sprays, yeah. new. And I saw a news these days that that was something like like Apple needed only fifteen minutes of you talking to generate an AI uh, voice of you. That could speak yeah. anything. So I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, for voice lines in a, in a battle pass, for skins, for sprays, AI, I think, can definitely do these things. Uh, yeah, it's super easy to skin. do as well. Mm-hmm. Churn out I've, skins. I've, yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, I yeah, no, churn out skins every season or so, and players will pay for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, say, like with, with the voice recordings, it's super easy to do. I've done that before for, for people and for work as well. You oh, can really? just go one of the best. I think it's 11 labs where you just if you take someone talking, you can just upload that audio file. It'll listen to it and then be like, OK, I can do it. And then you can just type in whatever you wanted to say and it'll sound like that person. Oh, my God. 11 labs is called. Ahead. I think it's called 11 labs. Yeah, I, I'm just I, seeing I the, the, the pricing plans free for hobbyists who want to try to try and speech synthesis. Oh, yeah. my God. I, I yeah. think you have to pay. You have to pay to create new voices, though. The free, t- the free tier gives you three custom voices. Wow! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna try it out. Just for... I think it's only like five bucks, and you can upload yeah, your own mm-hmm. files. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. That's interesting. Eleven yeah. labs. Yeah, we can probably wrap up here pretty soon. We're almost an hour and a half in. Yes, yes, oh. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think we deviate from, or we are no, <laughs> not deviate. We talked about a ton of topics. Um, I'm really glad we did because it's a five year for me at least. It's a five year uh, anniversary episode. 
So I just yeah. wanted to rant about podcasting, about games <laughs> and about everything around it. Mm-hmm. And as as I told you before, thank you for inviting me for the for no, this I, I had a fun time chatting. I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you being here. Uh, where can everyone go to check out all of your work? You can find me, uh, as I told you before, it's uh, mainly a Spanish-speaking podcast, but we have a mm-hmm. few episodes in English with special guests. Uh, you can find me as Sociedad Gamer, uh, which is Gamer Society in Spanish. And wherever you find podcasts, you'll find us. We don't currently have a website, but we have a Twitter uh, where you, you can reach out to us and maybe propose new ideas for episodes, which is Sociedad GC. Nice. Yeah, and again, everyone, you can go check out our sponsors, G95 Apparel and Surfshark. They're very wonderful, and uh, we appreciate them a lot. Uh, links will be in the description. Go check out Productions.live. I'm back working on... Uh, I'm, I gave up updating the website. I had mentioned a bunch of times that I was updating the website. I gave up on that. I'm rebuilding it from scratch. I'm just starting over. And uh, you can go check out the, the website for now while it's still the old one. Uh, I'm working on the the brand new one. Uh, I was, I just got fed up. I wasn't happy with how it was looking, so I'm working on that. But thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. I had a great time chatting. Thank you, uh, thank you. Congratulations on on the five year anniversary of your oh, podcast. Oh, thank you a lot. Thank we, you very uh, much. What are we at? We're three and a half years in, I guess. Okay. Something Hopefully, like you'll go for the distance with this one. Yeah, this is this is the longest one we've had so far. Um, yeah, hopefully you'll keep doing it. We, we've hit three years before, but that was only because uh, it was a yearly podcast. We just did it oh. during E3. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know that that really counts. If you only do three episodes, if you get to have a three-year anniversary <laughs> podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. Hopefully you you keep on doing it. I, I enjoy I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy meeting new people. So we'll keep going, and uh, yeah, we'll see if we can. Uh, what else we come up with thanks but thank you so much man i really appreciate it and thank you everyone for listening uh we'll see you next time bye i'm gonna stop the recording now <laughs>